Morning. Does that sound like today's news, what Matt just read? Sound like what's going on in the world today? We're going to be going over Mark chapter 13 this morning. And I'd like to, again, welcome everyone for being here this morning. It's good to gather together to worship God, to be with each other and to support one another and to, again, sing songs unto his name. Thank God we're able to sing again. One year ago, I would never imagine that we'd be gathering together here, walking into the building having to wear masks, having to sit or to stand six feet apart and practice social distancing, advised not to shake hands, not to give a hug, not to give a holy kiss. I would have never guessed that the state of New York would impose restrictions upon how many people are allowed to gather together even in social events or in church or whatever else. How the times have changed. All due to a virus. We see wildfires in California this week that are out of control, that are sparked by lightning. Tropical storms are heading up now toward Louisiana and Houston area by way of the Gulf. Two of them at one time, a little unusual. Some have wondered, is this part of the judgment of God? Are there the signs of the last days? Is it a start of the plagues that are coming upon the earth of God's judgment or his wrath upon the earth? We've recently seen in the news the defacing of and destruction of historical monuments, statues being torn down, looting of neighborhoods, the taking over of public places, the burning down of police stations and, court and courts. Far too many people being injured and killed. You hear the demands and the rhetoric of the parties involved and the views and their opinions that are espoused on mass media and social media and I just don't understand it. I know it's hard to swallow for many of us. For a country that was founded on Judeo-Christian values the moral compass of God's word seems to be totally absent from our society today. I heard a phrase on a Christian show that said, when wrong is defended and good is attacked, the pillars of society will crumble. I'm going to tweak it a little bit and rephrase it just a little bit. When evil is defended and godliness is attacked, the pillars of society will crumble. Isaiah in the fifth chapter, 20, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. I got to confess, I think many of you will feel the same way as me. I hear that all over today. Much too much. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 13. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's uh, 1205 in the Pew Bible. That's Mark chapter 13. And as you're turning there, I would like to give a brief introduction to the chapter. The chapter is referred to as Things to Come, or the Olivet Discourse. 
so-called, because it's on that hill, the Mount of Olives, east of the temple that the Lord gave his disciple a picture of things to come. Jesus here explains that which would take place between his first coming as a suffering servant and his return as king, the conquering king in glory. These words that are recorded here in Mark 13 and the parallel passages of Matthew 24 and 25 and Luke 21 are the longest recorded answer given to any question that Jesus was asked. I believe these words are extremely important to all believers in Jesus Christ. Those in the first century, throughout the century, and today as well. So please follow as I read Mark 13 in its entirety. I had a hard time trying to break this up, so we're going to go through the whole chapter. Mark 13. And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. He says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts. And you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you ha are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death father his child children will raise up against parents and have them put to death you will be hated by all because of my name but the one who endures to the end he will be saved but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be let the reader understand then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains the one who is on the housetop must not go down or go in to get anything out of his house. And the one who is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. 
for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed. Behold, I have told you everything in advance. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send forth his angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. Now learn a parable from the fig tree. When its branches are already become tender and puts forth its leaves and you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happen, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey, who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on alert. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it is in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Let's pray. Father, as we look into these words of Jesus, the coming King of glory, coming to judge the world and to set up his kingdom, help us to understand these words, Lord. Give us insight into them, give us wisdom, and give us comfort from them. For it's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Long piece of scripture. We've got to take it in context. Generally speaking, chapters 11 and 12 of Mark speaks about the judgment of the religious regime of that day. Last Sunday, Mark Fisher did a wonderful job of pointing out the hypocritical questions the self-righteous leaders were asking Jesus. These religious leaders who were rejecting the Messiah were standing right in front of them. The Pharisees tried to trap him about paying a poll tax to Caesar. The Sadducees, who would ask a question about upon a resurrection, whose wife would this woman have been after marrying seven brothers, even though they did not believe in the resurrection. The scribes and the lawyers asking which of the over 700 commandments would be the most important. In chapter 12, verses 38 through 40, Jesus gives a warning against the hypocrisy of the religious leaders and condemns them. Earlier in 11, Jesus spoke about how the temple was being perverted into something that it should never have become. Remember, Jesus goes into the temple there and he turns over the tables of the money changers and, the, and those selling doves and states, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a robber's 
den. Declaring his father's house would be a house of prayer, but they have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus declares judgment upon the temple and upon the religious order of that day. Now, most of the book of Mark are made up of basically simple stories showing the suffering servant at work. This chapter I just read differs from all the other chapters of the book of Mark. It's more like taken out of a part of the book of Revelation where God's wrath is poured out upon the world. We must also keep in mind that at this point, Jesus' public ministry is over. He is on his way to the cross. This discourse most likely was spoken the Wednesday before his death in two days. Now let's take a look at the text itself. Verses 1 and 2. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. We have Jesus at this point leaving the temple, probably after a full day of work there, preaching, teaching. Probably his final instructions to the people. This was the end of his public ministry. Jesus then answers a remark from one of his disciples who said, how wonderful these stones are, and look at these buildings. Aren't they wonderful, the temple buildings? And Jesus also calls them great buildings. Now the temple itself was magnificent, absolutely stunning, polished white stone, marble, covered over with gold. It was one of the ancient wonders of the world. It was begun by Herod in about 20 BC, who actually ended up doubling the size of the footprint of, of the mount. And at this point, it was still under construction. Now the size of some of the stones that were used for the retaining wall were 35 feet long, 12 feet high, and 12 to 18 feet wide. Those are huge stones that were used. The temple complex was a great source of Jewish pride. They were proud of this building. That's, that's being Jewish. That's proud of it. But in reality, it, it housed an apostate form of religion filled with corruption and hypocrisy of the unbelieving religious leaders of that day. About 40 years after Jesus spoke these words, describing, telling, predicting that the destruction of the temple was to come, God's judgment was rendered. In AD 70, the Romans came and they killed about a million Jews. They demolished the temple and destroyed the city. The Jewish sacrifice was halted, temple being destroyed, and there was not one stone of the buildings that were left upon another. So Jesus is here. He's finished his work in the temple for the day. He leaves the temple, heading east, out of exiting Jerusalem, and he crosses over the Kindred Valley and now ascends the Mount of Olives, and he sits down. Now, Temple complex is the backdrop to the Olivet Discourse. Verses 3 and 4. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, 
Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Matthew's account in Matthew 24 verse 3 gives a little more complete question that was asked. It says this, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now it appears the disciples, the, excuse me, the disciples here saw the event of the destruction of the temple and the end of the age occurring very close in time. The temple gets destroyed and a new kingdom will be set up. But Jesus here sets out future events that will occur over time. Verses 5 and 6, And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. Jesus here is giving a warning. Many are going to come in his name saying that I am he. Let no one mislead you. There will be mass deception of the people. Many will be misled. Verses 7 and 8 talk about when you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These are merely the beginning of birth pains. Jesus foretells of the coming destru destruction upon the earth. There'll be wars, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be famines. But these are just the beginning. Jesus uses the illustration of a woman going through the process of giving birth to a child. Now birth pains normally occur in the later stages of pregnancy right before the delivery. And these pains increase in intensity. They increase in frequency right before the birth, as many of you mothers know. And that's what these events are showing. Verse, verses 9 through 13 say this. It says, to be on your guard. They will deliver you to the courts. You will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all nations. When they arrest you, when they hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you will speak, what you will say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And the children will raise up against the parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Jesus describing this coming persecution that the followers of Jesus will have to endure. The disciples. Paul the apostle. The early church throughout the ages. Think about those in the Reformation periods who gave their lives for this name of Jesus and those in the world today giving their lives because of Jesus' name. This persecution is coming not in 
only in the form of government, not in the, only in the form of, of, of established religions, but it's out of people's own households here, members of your own household as well. You'll be hated by all because of the name of Jesus. Jesus also states the necessity of the gospel to be preached in all the nations. And then he concludes with a promise of delivery saying that the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Verses 14 through 23. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one who is on the housetop must not go down or go in to get anything out of his house. And the one who is in the field shouldn't turn back and get his coat. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation which God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. But then if any says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. The tribulation period continuing on now with the Antichrist coming on the scene and with the Antichrist, his abominable acts. The intensity of the calamities described by Jesus as the great tribulation increase as in Matthew 24, 21. This is a time of urgency, a time of hardship, a time of tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of time. You think of all the tragic acts that occurred over the, our history. Nothing is going to compare to this. Think of the time of Noah. That's the past. It's not going to compare to this. A time that we're seeing complete annihilation, except God in his mercy shortened those days. A time when false Christs and false prophets do signs and wonders, pseudo-miracles, to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But Jesus here tells us to take heed, be on guard. Behold, I've told you everything in advance. Verse 24 through 27, but in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers are in heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and glory. And then he will send forth his angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of heaven, uh, uh, earth to the furthest end of heaven. Take a minute out and imagine this. The sun going black. The sun is not shining. The moon cannot shine. We have a result of what? Total darkness. We have stars falling. The universe appears to be crumbling. 
the one who holds all things by the power of his word eases his sustaining power and creates random chaotic events that occur throughout the universe. Then against this picture, this total darkness, this blackness, will be seen the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. The undiminished brilliance, the glory of Jesus' appearance, and then he will descend upon the earth. This is Christ's second coming. And then the angel will gather the elect from everywhere. Verses 28 through 32 state this. Now learn the parable of the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves. You know summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of the day and hour, no one knows, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. The fig tree, so plentiful in Israel. It's used in many illustrations throughout the Bible. We are told to learn from it. A little earlier in Jesus in chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, had just used a fig tree that had leaves but no fruit on it. He uses it as an image of Israel, the nation of Israel, which is adorned with leaves, spiritual trimmings, but was fruitless. That fig tree suffered divine judgment. It was cursed as did unbelieving Israel. In Luke's parallel passage to Mark 13, it notes that, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When you see the leaves coming out on the branches, you know that summer is near. The events Jesus described just indicated Christ's return is near right at the door. And Luke adds to this, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. In verse 30, 31, it says, Truly I say unto you, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. What is he referring to? This generation. This generation that enters this tribulation period. The ones that see these signs happening will be the same generation that will see Lord return. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. They're temporal. Things that we see are temporal. Peter reminds us that fact that the earth, as we now know it, is only temporal. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, it says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burnt up. 
since all these things are to be destroyed this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This present earth as we know it, it's going to pass away. But the more important thing is that Jesus' words will not pass away. Jesus' words are eternal. They're infallible. They cannot fail. They cannot be broken. They're completely true. And these words regarding the end times will happen exactly as he said. Verse 32 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Now we've been given to us the seasons of things, but not the exact time, the exact minute. Second coming is not known to anyone but the Father. Further, it would be foolish for us to try to set a time for it. It will not be revealed in advance to anybody. Jesus himself, while he was on earth, limiting his omniscience to what the Father was revealing to him. When he was speaking this discourse, he did not know when his return would be. And to that point, he says, take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man on a journey, and upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on alert. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it is in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Believers during the tribulation period must be on the alert. The warning to be on the alert is given four times in this section. Verse 33, take heed, keep on the alert. Verse 34, stay on the alert. Verse 35, be on the alert. Verse 37, again, be on the alert. Believers alive during this period should be on constant watch. as we must be today. We don't know when the Lord is going to return for us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, it states this, We are to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He has raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Jesus comforts his followers a short time later in John 14, 2 through 4. and says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We must be on the alert today as well. Jesus in verse 34 uses that illustration to emphasize the unexpectedness of his return. It is like a man 
away on a journey, who upon leaving his house, putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanding the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. You do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it is in the evening or at midnight, when the rooster crows or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. We don't know when Christ will return. Not the month, not the day, not the time of day, or the time of night. Notice this warning about his coming, possible coming at night. It says, in the evening, midnight, when the rooster crows, or morning. These are four three-hour watches of the night from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. We must be on guard against spiritual sleepiness and slumber. Stay on alert like the doorkeeper, ready and waiting on a constant watch for the master to return, even if it's in the night. Verse 37 says, What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert, be on the alert. My question is, are, are you ready? Are you on the alert? Matthew 24, 44 says this, For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. I believe Jesus is coming for this, his church is eminent. In other words, it could come at any moment. And it will be in a time when we won't expect it. So we are encouraged to be on the alert. And if Jesus is coming, for us seems to be delayed, our departure or our physical death may not be that far away anyway. We don't know how many days, how many years, how many months or hours we have to live. Each one of us is just one breath, one heartbeat away from facing eternity. Question again, are you ready? Are you on the alert? If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm telling you, you're not ready. If you have not repented of your sins and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not ready. Being a good person isn't good enough. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We must put our faith in the finished work of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross and in that alone. Plead out to God for his mercy and receive his grace. For it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. If you have, if you have not already received Christ and you'd like to talk to somebody about that decision today, please reach out. Talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. And if you do know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, 
Are you ready? Are you on the alert? Are you like the doorkeeper waiting and watching for the master to come? Are you busy doing what God has called you to do in your own personal world? Are you doing the best of your ability and consistently working for his kingdom? Always watching, being ready. Our time is short. I pray that you are ready and that you are on the alert. Let's close in prayer. Father, we don't know how much time any one of us has left on this earth. Death is a certainty if you tarry. Your coming for us is imminent, and the time is unknown. We're reminded, Lord, that we must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when we do not expect him. Help us to redeem the time, to be holy unto you, to be working for you and to be ready and on the alert for your coming. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.